morning, everybody. Welcome to Connect. Can you guys just stand with me really quickly? Man, it's so good to see everybody this morning. Oh, I'm so grateful, so thankful for you to be in the house today. And just know that there's always something so special about when we gather together. And I know in this world today, it's easy to do church from home and, and uh, hey, look, I'm, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful that we live in a world and a time where that's possible, given the situations of life right now. Amen. I, look, I, I, this, this is not a statement about that. It's, I'm so glad. And if you're able to join us online today, we're so glad you're here because the same God that's in this room is the same God that's in your room. The same miracles that are available here are available there. And we are ecstatic to know that we live in a time and a place where we can reach out around the world and around our community. But there's something about being in the house. There's something about being together. Let's not take that for granted. There's, there's something supernatural that happens when, when two or more, the Bible says, where two or more are gathered in his name. I don't know about you, but I'm here in his name. So all we need is one more. Do I have at least one more that are saying, I'm here for Jesus today. I'm not here for Connect Church. Huh? I'm not here for a denomination. I'm not here to be good. I'm not here so I get my church checked off, my praise on. I'm here because Jesus is here. And, and when that happens in us, it, it begins to stir something differently. Because then our expectation isn't about what other people are thinking next to us or is this a song I'm familiar with, or how, do, how comfortable am I in these beautiful seats? Hallelujah. Some of us who grew up in pews, you know what I'm talking about. Your bum is thankful. It's not about that, but it can be easy. Our soul can easily distract us with everything. But when we're reminded, when I look around and I see there's a brother or sister next to me who actually sacrificed their time to be here got in a car and drove here, Was uh, decided to make a decision to get up early, put, get a cup of coffee, come on somebody, before they came in. No, no, serious, right? At the end of that, it, it reminds me, this is a miracle moment. See, when we give God something, he can bless anything. When you give God your life, he can bless your life. When you give God your voice, he's blessed by it. So that's why we worship. We don't worship to do cool music and cool songs. We worship because he's worthy of our worship. He's worthy for us to lift up our hands and surrender and in praise. He's, he's worthy to be able to hear our voice above all the other voices. Because as we're reminded so often when we come together, there's, he made your voice. And because he made your voice, there's, there's something that your voice brings him that the voice next to him doesn't bring. Doesn't even have to be on pitch. Come on. How good is our God that he says, bring a joyful noise. Amen? I am appreciative of a God that says, bring a noise. Because you notice I'm up here without one of these instruments. But I got an instrument, so do you. And you were made with it. Designed with it. He sculpted you when you were in your mama's womb. He put your, the voice you've got, he put it in there on purpose. And the purpose was let everything that has breath praise his name. Come on, today we're going we're gonna to worship by, by worshiping a song, joy, The Joy of the Lord. We were talking beforehand that there's so much in this world that can steal our happiness, but man, it should never touch our joy. 
the fact that we get to be in a building today, there's joy. Because there's millions around our world that can't. We get to say the name of Jesus out loud. Man, it should bring joy to us. Why? Because there's millions around the world who can't say it publicly. But I'm going to stand up and I'm going to shout and I'm going to praise and I'm going to give him glory because the joy of the Lord is my strength. In the middle of my loss, in the middle of the seasons of loss, the, Lord, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Come on. Anybody say amen? amen? Come on, let's just pray. Father, in the name of Jesus. We give you glory. We've come here for one name, the name of Jesus, to be lifted up, to be glorified, to be praised, to give you pleasure and glory and honor. We lift up our hands and our voices. We lift up our hearts and our song to you. We bring a joyful noise, God, to bless your name because we know you're going to be in this room. You're already here. You've come to be with your children. And so we want to shout back at our Father and give him some praise in this place. We're going to let our feet dance. We're going to let our, our, our voice shout. Well, we're going to let our hands raise. We're going to actually give you full, full reign here in this place because you deserve our full-on praise. We give you the glory and the honor. We are believing for you to be blessed by our worship today. And we give it to you in Jesus' name. Come on. And everybody said amen and amen. Come on. Can we just give God one shout of joy? Lord, we love you this morning. We want to praise you. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Come on, church. Let's worship him together. Hallelujah. Church, if you feel like you've got a deficit of joy in this place, don't worry. Because in our weakness, his strength is made perfect. No matter what levels of joy you feel like you have, he has stored up more than enough for us to draw on today as we worship and sing this together. I'm pulling on joy from heaven's reserve. He stored up enough for every winter I'm served. I'm seeing beyond my circumstance joy that I have is my inheritance joy. This is the joy of the Lord. The joy, the joy, the joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy, the joy, the joy of the Lord is my
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, the joy, your joy, making you joyful, brings strength into our lives. Daddy, today we stand on the faithfulness of our God. That you are not a God, that you should lie, that you are not a man, that you should lie. That you are faithful and true. That Jesus, you're seated in heavenly places, Lord God. Seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. Seated in authority above every sickness, every disease, every addiction, every moment of depression, every need, every hurt, every desperation, Lord God, every disappointment, every disillusionment. You are above it all. You have authority. And we speak the name of Jesus right now. My friends, I, I just kind of as we're still in prayer for just a moment, I believe that God, the God of miracles is here. I believe the God of breakthrough is in this room. His name is Jesus. It's not about how good we are. It's about how good he is. So right now, if you need a breakthrough, if you need a healing, if you need freedom from something, can you just raise up your hand? We're going to pray with you. We're going to believe for you, Lord God. We're going to touch things. The Bible says we're to touch something in agreement. It will, it will be done by the Father. In the name of Jesus, Daddy, you see every hand raised, every heart submitted. In the name of Jesus, you know every prayer spoken and unspoken, Lord God. You see every living room, hospital room. You see every hand in this room. Daddy, I pray right now by the power of the name of Jesus that is above every name. The name of Jesus Christ. The name who is Jehovah Rapha, the healer, Jehovah Jireh, the provider, Jehovah Nisi, the banner of love. Father, I pray in his name that whatever may be, that your healing, provision, and breakthrough may be manifest now in Jesus' name. Your kingdom come, Daddy. Your will be done. We trust you. We trust you. We trust you. Where there is doubt, bring hope. Where there is disbelief, bring faith in the name of Jesus. Reveal yourself more and more, Father. We give you the glory. We give you the honor. And we know if it's not on this side of the veil, it will be on the other. Because there's glory yet to come. We give you glory now, and we give you glory for then. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen and amen. Come on, glory. Hallelujah. Father, we love you. Thank you, Jesus, for power. Thank you for who you are, Lord God. Woo! How good is it to know that it's not about us? I get, I get encouraged every time I pray that way because I, 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 I don't know if you're like me, but I was raised... In legalism, so it was all about how good I had to be to, play, to please God. And still, even in my mind, that's still deeply seated. Come on, somebody, when you raise up a child in a certain way, it's hard for them when they get older to break from it. That's why it's important we raise them up in the way of God. But when I remind myself, it's not about how good I am, it's about how good he is. I'll never be holy enough, but he always is. I'll never be powerful enough, no matter how many times I've fasted, how long I've prayed, how many Bible verses I have memorized. But he's always powerful enough. Whoo, peace. To know that he has the best in store for you. He has the best in store for you. What a God we serve. 
Well, I'm sure glad you're here today. And I believe that what you just prayed for is already on its way. The answer is on its way. Because that's how good our God is. Well, if this is your first or second time here at Connect, we want to just take a moment to welcome you into the family. Thank you for coming today, for finding your way here. Getting in that cold car this morning. It's colder this morning. I thought it was going to be, I looked out the window, it was sunny. I was like, it's going to be warm. Went out without a jacket on. That was stupid. I'm so glad you're here. But we are family. And we want to get to know one another. And so I know we all have masks on, and hopefully, hopefully sometime in the future, we will be able to see each other from here down too. But until that point, turn to someone, just say hi. Man, give them a, a, a high five or a fist pump or an air high five, whatever you feel comfortable with. At the end of service, I'm going to sing that. Thank you so much, man. Oh. I want to just take a moment to thank everybody for their amazing um, support of Danielle and I and Jake and our family over the last week uh, or so with the loss uh, that we suffered in our, in our house. And thank you um, for that. And I want to thank Pastor Rick for that amazing message he preached last week. Thank you, my brother. Fantastic. So good. I, I was at home. I was like, I wanted to get saved again. I, I was like, Tell me how to do it, Pastor Rick. That was awesome. But I hope it empowered you. I hope it encouraged you as it did me. And uh, today, before we even hop into the Word, we have a, a very special day today, or uh, is a very special day because um, yesterday was Pastor Ron Connolly's birthday. So I want to say happy birthday to Pastor Ron. Love you, dude. Ha happy 77th. You look good. It's fantastic. I know. He's like four, he's like four months younger than I am, which is... Whatever. But truly, you know, if you don't know Pastor Ron, he is one of the most generous, loving, compassionate, true men of God you'll ever find. Brilliant business person, amazing wisdom. But for me, you know, the word says that there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. That's who he is. He's been here since day one. He and Irene have been through the thick and thin with us. And that's what friendship, godly friendship looks like. When you can know each other's warts, come on somebody, and still call each other friend, something powerful about that. That, that. that in this world, can I just encourage you, in this world of ghosting people, where ghosting people has just become the norm, you are missing out. You are hindering yourself. You are missing out on what God wants to do in godly relationships with you. It's too easy to ghost. It's harder to actually work through the issues of life with each other. But it's worth it. Amen. It's worth it. It's worth it. Don't get me wrong. You know, you know I've preached this before. There are sometimes you've got to walk away. Someone say amen. There are sometimes it's just not healthy and you gotta go. But man, our in our world we ghost way too quick. Well, are you guys ready for the word today? I'm ready for the word. I'm excited. I, I, I'm excited. I did not know the song we were going to worship to today until after I wrote this message. And this message is exactly, I love when God does this. 
And sometimes you, you're going to think that we put things together. And certain Sundays we do put things together. Today is not one of those Sundays. God put this together. So I think maybe since God did put this together, it might be worth maybe even leaning in a little bit more today. But since you have your Bibles, can you open with me to Hebrews chapter 11? Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews is the 19th book of the New Testament. Right there, kind of after all Paul's books, you'll find Hebrews. And chapter 11 happens to be the chapter of faith. To all these heroes of faith, this cloud of witnesses that go before us, that are cheering us on, that are encouraging us with their lives, that's what this whole chapter is about. And if you need a, a, a title for today's message, it's Far From Home. You may be wondering why I'm wearing the Spider-Man shirt this morning. <laughs> because uh, in the new uh, Spider-Man series of movies, uh, there's one entitled Far From Home. It happens to be uh, a movie that I love, and it was actually on last night. Just by chance, I was uh, sitting in, in, in my room, kind of going over this message, and I turned on the TV, and it was on. Again, I love God coincidences. <laughs> now, I, I'm, I'm trying to not give you spoilers, but it's been out almost four years, so it's on you. Um, but this movie is about where we find our hero, Spider-Man, Peter Parker, and he's traveling all over Europe with his friends, his classmates. While he's traveling, he's finding himself having to fight all of these battles, all of these enemies, trying to discern what the lies and the schemes that are trying to manipulate him in the midst of it all so that somehow he can bring victory and freedom to some people. All while he's still, while he's doing this, he's dragging his baggage, come on, from place to place just like we do, trying not to lose hope, and he's doing it far from the comfort of home. And what I think is really interesting about it is that He's doing it, and along the way, he keeps wrestling with this thought, I wish I could just be a normal teenager. I wish I didn't have to deal with this. I wish I could just be a normal teenage boy. But see, with this gift that he was given comes great opportunities. To whom much is given, much is required, the word of God says. And I think as disciples of Jesus, this sums up our lives very well. Because we have to learn how to navigate through this ever-changing and ever-challenging situations that rise up against us in our world. To battle the forces that the enemy brings and the, the foes that rise up against us. Do our best to uncover the schemes and deceit that try to manipulate our emotions. Differentiate them between the truth that's trying to bring us into freedom. All while facing disappointment, pain, frustration, sometimes victories, sometimes miracles, even sometimes losses. And we're doing that all far from the comfort of home. Because my friends, this is not our home. This is not our home. I'm going to say something that may be controversial in American Christianity, but America is not my home. This ain't my home. When I used to travel as much as I did, I was never confused when I went to other countries that no matter how long I was there or how, how nice the hotel was I was staying in, it wasn't my home. This is not our home. 
This is not where we carry our passport from. Because wherever you, wherever you identify as home is where you get your identity from. Paul tells us in Philippians 3.20 that when we come to Jesus Christ, we are now citizens of heaven. We've got a new passport. There's a change in the way that I identify with how far I am away from my home. What home I'm trying to defend. What home I'm trying to identify from. I'm in this world, church, but I'm not of this world. And so enters the tension for all of us, as we can feel even right now. This tension on how do we live as foreigners in this land. All the while, our soul, our natural self, our mind, will, and emotion wants to settle down with every step. Every step we take further away from our home, we want to settle down. And, and, and we want, at some level, to, to get what we think we've deserved, at least. Because, after all, look at all that I've sacrificed for God. Or at least, if I don't get what I, uh, what I think I deserve, at least can we get back to some semblance of normal? Isn't that the cry of the pandemic? Let me just get back to some semblance of normal. And like Peter, there's something inside of us, this natural part that all of us carry, that's just crying out, I just want to be a normal man. I want to be a normal dad. I just want to be a, have a normal life. I, I, I just want to... I don't want to have to carry all of this. I don't want to have to. I don't want, I just want to be, can't I simply be normal? But faith, my friends, a life of faith is forward focused and forward moving. Faith, a life of faith that we're called to is forward focused and forward moving. That's why just a little earlier in this verse, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says, without faith, it's impossible for you and I to please God. That's what faith does. Faith is not about us getting from God. It's not the channel by which we receive the blessings from God. Yes, it is on one hand, but it is about a measure, how we can bring pleasure to God. When we live in faith, moving forward, focus forward, we bring pleasure to our God. But the further we get down this road of faith, the further our natural self feels further away from home, unless you and I decide today to change residence. There needs to be a shift inside of us. Shift inside of us. I know where my home is. And I'm going to live from that place. Not this place. This is not where I find my value. Let's look at this together. Maybe you can be encouraged today with this. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 13 is talking about all these other patriarchs of faith up until Abraham. And he's talking now about all of them and Abraham. It says all these died in faith. Where, how were they? They were walking in faith. Not having received the promises. Not having received the promises, but having seen them from afar off, were assured of them. You can underline that. They embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out of, even they would have had the opportunity to return. But now, 
They desire a better that is a heavenly country. Listen to this. Highlight this, underline this. Therefore, God is not ashamed to, call, to be called their God. Stop that. What? What an amazing statement. Think about that statement for a moment. God is not ashamed to be called their God. I think so often we filter everything through the lens of not wanting to be ashamed ourselves. Not wanting to be embarrassed. Not wanting to be uh, uh, let down. If the promise doesn't show up when we think it should show up. When I don't get the healing or that promotion that I had thought I would get. When, when, when my relationship doesn't do this, or if people laugh at me when I share the gospel with them, like Pastor Rick said last week, when church does this or doesn't do that, when God doesn't show up, I don't want to be embarrassed. I don't want to be let down. I don't want to feel ashamed. But how different would life be if we flipped that around and allowed God to say, I'm not ashamed to be called their God. Not I'm not ashamed. I want to live a life. Here's my confession today in front of all of you. I want to live a life where God can say, I'm not ashamed that Kyle calls me his God. I'm not ashamed that Connect says that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, the only way to the Father. I'm not ashamed to call Connect that they say I'm their God. How different would life be if we just flip that? And this is the challenge that all of us face. It's the challenge, my friends, of what we've been talking about, the difference between believers and disciples. We've been talking a lot about the difference between believing. Many people believe in God, even believe in the saving work of Jesus, believe they're going to heaven, believe their sins are forgiven, and that's great. But Jesus didn't call us to be believers. He called us to be disciples, to follow him. To actually walk this thing out and put weight behind it. And the challenge is this. That believers tend to build their belief system around the manifestation of the promises in their life. How many promises did God manifest in my life? That's what I can believe for. How good is God or how good isn't God is based off of how many blessings I've got or don't have. If I think he showed up in time or not showed up in time. Is this thing worth doing or not doing based off the blessing that may come to me? Is there going to be an immediacy in the harvest, especially in our generation, where we want to sow today and reap tomorrow? And my friends, can I encourage you? I've lived that life before. I've seen so many live that life. And it leads to a manic Christian life. Like bipolar. Where like when it's good, when you're in a season of blessing, come on somebody, and there are seasons of blessing, you're in a season, this is good, and when it's good, it's very good. But when it's not, you're out. You're out. What do you mean I gotta wear a mask to church? I'm out. Just thought I'd throw that in there. Come on. This isn't new. Jesus dealt with this with believers and religious crowd when he was walking 2,000 years ago. In John 6.30, it's why it's inside all of us. We have to be careful. John 6.30, those who wanted to believe in him rolled up and they say this to him. They say, what? Uh -oh, show us a miraculous sign so that we can believe in you. What can you do? 
What can you do for me? What can you do for me? And this becomes the heartbeat of what we have based our American Christianity on. If you bless me, I'll believe in you. If you the more you bless me, the more I'll believe for. Because after all, my faith is focused so that I am not embarrassed, so that I am not ashamed of God, so that I'm not let down. I don't want to be ashamed. And the issue is, my friends, this becomes the focus of our faith. For God to prove himself so that we are not ashamed. For God to prove himself so that we are not ashamed. So that we're not embarrassed in front of our friends who we told are Christians, or we told we're believing for that promotion, or we told we're believing for that healing. We're not, we're not embarrassed in front of the people we're trying to lead to Jesus. We're not embarrassed in front of the haters who already don't love God. And here's the catch. Here's the catch that's already naturally inside of us. When we, when we move down this direction, we have believed the deception that we need God to show up, to bless us, to heal that person, so that we can protect his reputation by the way he blesses us. He can, we got to protect God's reputation. The way he blesses us will protect God's reputation to my friends. But that's actually not what we're talking about. It's not really about protecting God's reputation. It's about actually protecting our reputation. Because we don't want to be ashamed that we've stepped out, that we've believed, that we've given to church, that we've shown up, that we've taken the risk. Come on. It becomes the focus of our faith, which lends itself, which is, this is even more dangerous, which lends itself to us utilizing our faith for those outward things. Because after all, the only way for God to protect himself is for people to see how he blesses me. All the while, leaving unattended and neglected the things people don't see, like integrity and character and our prayer life and how we treat our family behind closed doors and what we don't look like when we're not in church. Because our faith is focused protecting God's reputation, which is actually ours. But faith, my friends, is about drawing near to a God who has called us, not God proving himself by what he provides for us. Faith isn't about God proving himself by how he provides for us. Faith is a way for you and I to draw near to a God who's called us, who loves us, who's chosen us, who wants to be with us. What an amazing avenue of vehicle God has given us. That's why. That's why it's, we've got to take the step, the choice, to become a disciple, not just a believer. A believer will get you to heaven, but we're going to miss so much out here on earth. A disciple builds their faith on the faithfulness of the promise maker in their life, not the manifestation of the promises in their life. The faithfulness of the promise maker. A disciple's faith is not built on what they stand in, but on who they stand on. Amen. Regardless of whether the promises show up now or not. Because I know the one in whom I believed, and I have entrusted my life until that day that he comes to get me. Whether I get all of the promises, some of the promises, or none of the promises now. I've entrusted my life to him. 
Jesus says in Matthew 7, verse 24, a wise man, a wise disciple builds his house on the rock, the image of Jesus Christ. Why? Because he knows there's storms coming. Come on, somebody. When we come to the rock, it doesn't keep the storms from our life. It enables us to go through the storms differently in our lives. Because um, it's not, my faith isn't built in what I stand in. It's, what, it's who I stand on. And Jesus' faithfulness to me in the midst of that storm. I love the old hymn. Come on. On Christ the solid rock I stand. That was too high. I started too high. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. It's old, but it's true. The question we have to ask ourselves in reality is, are we building a daily relationship with him that will produce trust in him? Or are we going to him simply so that he can bless us so we're not ashamed to be called a Christian? Paul says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, that we are, we have been raised with Christ so we should seek the things above, not below, where we are seated with Christ in God. Jesus Christ is seated in heaven. So what we're building on, my friends, isn't even of this world. So how we can't determine, come on, listen, we can't determine by the returns in this world. We can't determine how good God is or how bad God by the returns we get in this world because what we're building on isn't even in this world. It's like trying to figure out whether or not it's a beautiful day in Disney World by looking at your, the, the stock market report. Is the stock up? Is the stock down? Is my return up? Is my return down? You can't determine whether it's a beautiful day in Disney World by looking at the immediacy of the returns of the profit. Do you know how I do it? Because I do it every day. I go to YouTube. Come on, somebody. I find a live streamer. And I watch people walk right down the middle of Main Street, USA, right? I watch them get on rides, be happy, eating Mickey premium bars, being jealous, having to deal with covetousness, having to forgive, you know, get forgiveness, kneel down, repent. Come on. Do you know how I have to determine it? I've got to see it live. When I pray, I see it live. When I get in the Word, I see it live. When I worship, I understand the environment that is live in heaven at that moment. I see it live. I'm not trying to determine the goodness of my God off of the profit or loss of the day in a return in which he is not in. Amen. The challenge, my friends, is what, Paul, uh, what Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 2, which I love because both Paul and Peter struggle with the same things you and I do. He says, dear friends, I warn you, as temporary residents, as foreigners, keep away from your worldly, the worldly things because they wage war on your soul. Just you and I walking through this world wages war on our soul. It makes us want to settle down, to get comfortable. But discipleship is not a summer rental. It is an exchange of residency. Discipleship is not a summer. Believing is a summer rental. I'm going to rent and try it out and see if I like it. I'm going to rent here for a little bit, see if I like it. Rent there a little bit, see if I like it. Rent over here a little bit. I'm going to try to decide which summer vacation place I like the best. Discipleship is an exchange of residency. 
Come on, if you grew up around here in New Jersey and you go down to the shore, you know there's a term for people who don't live down there but come down there in the summer and act like they do. They're called shoobies. Shoobies are the people that wear shoes on the beach, shoes, come on, somebody, on the boardwalk. They're from the city, come on, somebody, but they, they, they act, they, they rented, and they're not residents. They come to the shore, but they act like they did in the city. Come on, we can't afford shooby Christianity, where we are renters, not residents of heaven. Where we're just trying God out here and trying God out there. No, no, no. I am, re I am residing in who he is. Where we just kind of want the, the warm weather, want the water to be warm, complain. Come on, somebody. When there's rainy days, we're in a different place, but we still act and process like the place we came from. We need an exchange of residency. I was watching a TV show called uh, Yellowstone a little while ago, and something they said resonated deeply with me. They said this. People from other places come to Montana, places like New York and California, and they move here to get away from everything there. But when they move there, they, they want what failed there to be brought here. That's what our soul does with the things of God. It recognizes, man, our old life has no peace. It's messed up. It's broken. I can't get salvation on my own. So I come to God for salvation. But then I want, the, I, but then I want my old life just with the blessing of the new life. I'm a shooby. It's not just us. It even happens to the people who are in this chapter. Abraham does it with Lot. In Genesis 13, he's not supposed to bring Lot, but he brings Lot anyway. And there's this division, there's this frustration because Lot wants it here like he had it back there. And because it's not, there's division. There's frustration. By the way, it leads him to captivity by the enemy. And that's a different sermon for a different day. But when our faith, my friends, is focused from this perspective, we are always in danger of putting distance between ourselves and intimacy with God. Because after all, how much risk will we take when the question in our heart is this, what if God doesn't show up? What if the promise I'm stepping out on doesn't manifest? What if I take a risk and I'm ashamed and embarrassed? Verse 13 says, not having received all the promises. So the question is this. What do we do when we're living from a platform of making sure that we're not ashamed and that we're protecting God's reputation and God doesn't do what we think he should do? What do we do? Because these people lived in the same kind of life you and I live in. Not all the promises showed up. Not all the promises showed up. Anybody in here can relate to not all the promises showing up. When we live from that perspective, however, my friends, it's a trap. We see this trap in Exodus 14 and all through Exodus with the children of God as they wandered through the wilderness. They kept saying, man, uh, we should just go back. 
we should just go back. We should just go back. It's great that we're called children of God, but we should go back to Egypt. It's more comfortable. It's better than when did they start to ask those things? When it took too long for God to manifest what they thought he should manifest. When it took too long for God to answer their prayer. When the pain got too great, they wanted to go back to feel comfortable again. Because even though their cause was in front of them, the thing they found comfort in was behind them. What do you find comfort in? Do we only find comfort when the promise is manifest? Or are we comforted by the faithfulness of the promise maker even when the promise isn't here yet? Because believe it or not, they do the same things we do. Deuteronomy 9 they justify their actions in the same way you and I justify sometimes our actions in walking away. They said, yeah, 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 but, but Moses, what if we do all this stuff and God doesn't show up? Then all the nations will mock God. See, really, Moses, it's not about our comfort level. We're just trying to protect, come on, somebody. we're trying to protect God's reputation as if he needs it. But I love what the word says. But the word says people of faith, disciples of God, think differently. They look at things differently. The word says if they had actually called to mind their, their country, their old country, they would have bailed on God. Think about that for a moment. We're talking about the patriarchs of faith. God's saying even they would have bailed out. If they had let their minds go backwards, if they had focused on what they left rather than where they were going, if they had focused on what they thought they lost rather than the person that they were gaining, even these great heroes of faith, they would have bailed on God. So if they would bail, come on, guys, it's in us. These are just moments of going, whoop, I better wake up. It's in me already. I love that Greek wording for had called to mind. It means if they had brought back to memory time and again, they would have responded differently. Why? Because whatever you focus on, you give power to. If you've been at this church long, you've heard me say that for years. Whatever you focus on, you give power to. If I'm on a diet, which I need to be on, somebody say amen. Don't say amen. Don't be a great up. <laughs> if I'm on a diet and I'm like, I can't eat chocolate cake, I can't eat chocolate cake, I can't eat chocolate cake, what am I going to eat? Chocolate cake. I was uh, thinking about this when I was watching the Super Bowl halftime the other day. Because if you grew up in the 80s or 90s, come on, somebody, you found some comfort <laughs> in that bad boy. Come on. DRE got on the stage. Snoop Doggy Dog. Eminem 8 Mile. Come on. That was awesome. When Mary J. Blige got up, I ain't blowing up anybody's spot, but somebody in my house was up dancing who was a much better dancer than me. But why? Why was that so comforting? Because it brought us back to something. It brought us back to an easier life. In our minds, an easier time. It wasn't. Because when you were a teenager, you were complaining. Come on, somebody. About how life stinks and how this isn't fair. And I don't have this. And when I get older, it's going to be better. And now you're older. And you're thinking then was better. Ah. <laughs> oh. It brought us back to an easier time in our minds. It's a siren's call that woos us back and drowns us 
in the deep water of our past. But here's the truth. We are going to live, stay with me for a moment. We are going to live without the fulfillment of all the promises in our life during our life on this side of the veil. We are going to live without all the promises of God fulfilled in your life on this side of the veil. We're going to live where some people get healed and other people don't. We're going to live where when God is working all things together for your good, sometimes it doesn't feel good or seem good. We're going to live in a world where it's not just the haters who hate you, but sometimes it's the people closest to you. We're going to live in a world where we get through one storm and we see another one coming on the horizon. That's where we're going to live. And this is the testing point of faith. This is where we find ourselves asking the question, will I live to try to make sure that I'm not ashamed to call myself a Christian? Or will I live to make sure that God is not ashamed to call me one? Am I not ashamed? Am I going to live to make sure I'm not ashamed to call myself a Christian? Or am I going to live to make sure God is not ashamed to call me one? That's whatever I focus on, I give power to. And you may be asking, as we get ready to close in a few moments, how can this happen? How can I, how can I do this if my natural self wants to settle down? If my natural self, like Peter, just wants to be a normal dad, a normal person, can I just relax, go back, be comfortable? Can I just have a little of my old with a little of the new? I don't know. If you put a little dog poop in a brownie mix, anybody eating it? No matter how much, how little it is, anybody volunteering? A little of the old with a little of the new is like putting a little bit of dog poo in a brownie mix. It's still going to bake up, smell good. Ain't nobody going to eat it. How? The key to this is so good by God, he doesn't leave us wondering. He puts it right there in verse 13. He said, not having all those promises fulfilled yet, they, yet they were assured. They were assured. That word doesn't mean that they actually believed it to be true. That Greek word actually means this, to put your full weight on something. Even though they did not have all the promises yet, they put their full weight on God. They put their full weight on his word. They put their full, full weight on the goodness of our God. They put our, their full weight on the fact that God loved them, even if around them didn't look like it. That God was the God of the wind and the wave and the storm, even when they were pulling out the oars as hard as they could and not making any change. They put their full weight on it. When it comes to our life, our dreams, our desires, our decisions, our time, our treasure, our talents, are we putting our full weight on him? Full weight on his word, full weight on, on living so that we could love him, our full weight of our purpose in life on making him feel loved by us. Without faith, it is impossible to please God or give him pleasure. Here's the truth, my friends. A couple years ago, many years ago now, I was in Haiti and we were uh, going from one place up into the mountains to take medical um, medical supplies to, to people there. And it was a long journey, I mean, days journey. We didn't have trucks, we were walking, we had some mules sometimes. 
And uh, we got to a bridge, one of those rope bridges, wood rope bridges, that looked like it had seen better days. And, and I wasn't sure I wanted to cross that bridge. And literally my guide said to me, no, it can hold you. It'll hold your weight. You can trust me. Go across it. And I had to make a decision in that moment whether I was going to trust my guide and trust the rope bridge. I had to come to a decision to realize that where I was going was more valuable and more important than where I'd been. That what I was bringing, come on, to those who were in front of me was more valuable than those I'd already walked away from. So I stepped on that bridge. Here's the truth. Life, especially life in Christ, brings us all to that bridge. And it's easy to step out onto the boards that look good, they look solid. But then we all come to the boards that are brittle, and a little messed up, and cracked. And we begin to ask the question, we begin to question and begin to think if it can hold up, if it's wise to step out. It, 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 it looks, that one looks too dangerous to forgive. That relationship looks too cracked to hold my weight of reconciliation. My reputation is too valuable. If I step out on it and I fall through, what will happen? And the issue is, my friends, that we begin to consider the condition of, uh, 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 of, uh, of how we see the bridge. And that begins to determine the choices we make in our life. How we see the bridge determines how we make the decisions in life. Jesus actually says something around this in, in, in Luke chapter 14, verse 28. He said, a builder who goes out to build a tower but doesn't consider the cost first is a fool. He, Jesus, in this moment, is talking about, he's considering not just, not just where you follow, but more importantly, who you follow when you make those decisions. If our goal, my friends, is just to do good or to seem good, then I don't really need to walk too far out on that bridge, come on, to look better than many people who won't even venture off the ledge. But if my goal is just to do good or seem good, then I may not take the risk to step on some of those boards that take a little bit of faith that look too risky because my goal is not the same as God's goal. But when, my, but, but when my goal is to know him more, when my goal is to know him more, when my goal is to know him more, then those steps are worth taking because he can be found on every plank and every step. Jesus can be found on every plank and every step. He's the one who built the bridge. He's the God who's guiding you onto the bridge. He knows how broken they are, brittle they are, messed up they are, and yet he's still asking you to step out in faith, to not determine life by what you see, but by who you know. And that's a tough thing, because our natural senses want to override our spiritual wisdom. But that's why God calls us to live not by sight, but by faith. It's why we can't rely on someone to persuade us with the word to do something. Because if someone can persuade you with the word to do something, someone else can come along and dissuade you to do something. 
It's not about being persuaded by the word. Stay with me. It's about being assured of the word. Assured of the word. Not the word, the living word. Jesus was the word made flesh. He is the word of God, the living truth. I have to be assured of who he is. So it doesn't matter the condition of the bridge I'm stepping out on. It doesn't matter the condition of the relationship that God's called me to step in or away from. It doesn't matter whether I think the weight of my reputation can handle the risk of the step I take. It doesn't matter any of those things because I know whom I believe and I've entrusted my life until that day. I know who he is. Hebrews 13, 5 tells me this. He'll never leave me or forsake me. Ephesians 2, 6. We were talking about this in force this week. I am seated in Christ. I am seated right now. Right now. I am seated in Christ. Where is he? At the right hand of God. I am seated in Christ in heavenly places. Our value is not found on what I receive here, but who I am in up there. I am valuable because I'm seated with him. I was reading a book called God's Double Agent. It's about a Chinese man, Chinese national, who got saved and started to build, take the risk of building an underground church. He was being mentored by a man who was also Chinese, but born in America, went back to bring the gospel. This mentor of his tells him, look, you're going to be arrested one day. And when you're arrested, give me up. And the guy's like, no, no, I can't give you up. He says, give me up. Give me up. Because although I'm Chinese, I'm a U.S. citizen. They can't do to me what they can do to you. Oh, we may share some things in commonality, but I was born under a different authority. I come from a different place. The passport I've got has a different authority behind it. My friends, when you and I are born again, we are born into a heavenly kingdom. That means our passport comes with different authority. That's what gave that man boldness. He was able to say, I know where I've come from. I know who's got my back. I know whose passport I hold. So it doesn't matter. They can't do to me what they can do to you. I can move in boldness because I understand the authority that I'm under. When you and I understand the authority that we're under, not just the authority we carry, the authority we're under, then it doesn't matter the condition of the rope bridge. Because if Peter could walk on water, God can cause you to walk on air if that, if that, if that wood breaks. If God could speak to the wind and the waves and silence them, he can silence the voice of the haters. If my God could speak and the blind eyes could see, the blindness of our heart and doubt and desperation could disappear. It doesn't matter the condition of the rope bridge. It matters whose authority we are born under. And I think that's what really encourages me, is that the patriarchs believed, even though they didn't see all the promises yet. Then, we got even a little bit more promises fulfilled when Joshua goes in the promised land, David's kingdom is formed, the prophets come, but not all of them. Then you and I, we stand in even more promises fulfilled. We stand in the fulfillment of the Messiah, Jesus. The, the promised Holy Spirit coming down, come on, and baptizing men and women alike. 
doing supernatural things. The river of God running from the throne of God into his people. The leaves which will bring healing to the nations. We stand in the living temple that was prophesied. We stand in even more promises than the patriarchs, but not all of them yet. Because you and I live in a state of progressive revelation of the goodness of God. Because what is in front of us is better than what's behind us. We cannot settle down. We must strive ahead. My friends, the issue is not that we don't have a faithful God, but like the children in the wilderness, we've got a short attention span. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up. We're going to sing in just a moment again. But I want to bring you home on something Jesus says so that we can see this in its totality. Jesus tells us that when we go to heaven, when we go to our real home, the Father is not going to determine the weight of our life based on the things he gave us or didn't give us, based on what, how, if we were healed or not healed, got promoted, not got promoted, got blessed, not got blessed. Don't get me wrong. We are all saved by the grace and gift of God. But after that, he will not determine the weight of our life based on what he has given us, but how we have engaged with him in our life. There's this parable, the parable of the sheep and the goats. And he says, bring all the sheep and put them on my right hand side and say to them this, my f come on in, great is your reward. Look what my father has built for you. He's created this from the beginning of time. Do you know why you can come in? Because when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was a stranger, you invited me in. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was sick, you cared for me. When I was in prison, you came to visit me. And the sheep will say, Lord, what did we do? When did we see you? He said, when you've done it to the least of these, you were doing it to me. To me. Faith is not about me getting blessed. Faith is about me joining with God where he's working to bring blessing to what he's doing. Faith isn't about me not being ashamed. Faith is about me being so not ashamed that I want to live out so that God is not ashamed that I call him my God. How different would life be if we just simply flip that in our own being? From moving away from I don't want God to be ashamed. I don't want to be ashamed. I don't want to feel let down. I don't want to be embarrassed. I got to protect God's reputation to being someone who says, man, I don't want God to be ashamed. But Kyle and Steve and Sharon calls me their God. All of us come here to the same place today. To the rope bridge of life. I know we'll all step on the good ones. How will we respond? 
to those ones that look a little risky? Are you assured? Will you put your full weight behind it? Your full weight. Your full weight. Today, you may have been here, you may be here, you've been realizing up until this point that you have lived a life where you can honestly say, I was living the first way, not wanting to be ashamed, not wanting to take too much risk. I wanted to settle down. I wanted to mix the new with the old. I wanted God to bless me because I wanted to protect his reputation, but actually I wanted to protect mine. And that's okay if that's where you've been. But can I encourage you today to take a step of faith? We're going to pray in just a moment. And maybe today we can just turn, and as Pastor D says all the time, if we just repent, if we just turn away, come back to God, say, God, I'm so sorry. Change my heart. I want to change my life. I want to know you. I want to build my life on you. I don't want to be a better Christian. I I want to be a better disciple. I want to follow you with everything I've got. I don't want to hold back. I want to hold on to you. Today, my friends, no matter where you are in this room or listening to this online, today's the day that you get to make that decision. And the God of heaven will meet you right where you are. Whether today is the first time that you do it or whether it's the hundredth time that you've turned around and made that decision, the God of heaven will not be ashamed to call you his own. So right here, right now, can you just pray with me? If you are here today and truly don't only just want to make Jesus your Savior, but your Lord, if you want to live the kind of life of faith that is built on him, not built in what we see. Today's the day to make that decision and choice. And it's as easy as calling out on his name, confessing your sin to him, and asking him to be the Lord and Savior of your life. So if that's where you are today, we're all going to pray, but you pray from the bottom of your heart. and Just say, dear Lord Jesus, here I am today. I've come to give you everything. I'm holding nothing back. I'm stepping out on that bridge. I'm building my life on you. I repent of all my selfishness, of all my self-control, of all my fear that kept me on the ledge. Today, Jesus, I'm asking you to be the Lord and Savior of my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Help me to walk this life out. For your glory. For your pleasure. For your praise. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Amen? Amen. Come on, can we just give God some praise? You made that decision. Just give God some praise today. My friends. What we were talking about today is the difference between just believing in God and being a follower of Jesus. Believing that Jesus took your sins away and confessing that will get you to heaven. 
but he called you to a life more than that. He called you to a life far from home, but a life where he is our home. Unwavering, unapologetically, he is my God, and I want him to call me his child. I want to live so that my God is not ashamed that I call him my God. What a life we could live. Connect church, what a church we could be. What marriages we could have. What hope we could find, what peace we could walk in if we choose this life. It's risky, it's scary, but he's there every step of the way. Even when we fall, he'll never leave us, he'll never forsake us, and he lifts me back up. My God is a faithful God. We're just gonna, can you guys just stand with me for a moment? We're gonna sing together that song that we sang already today, but it's so powerful. I think I wanna encourage you to sing it from the bottom of your heart today, make it a declaration. After we get done singing, we're gonna have Kevin come up, Pastor Kevin's gonna come up, we're gonna take offering and we'll go, but the joy of the Lord is my strength. Somebody needs some strength in here today, come on. Somebody needs a breakthrough, come on. It's not found. I'm going to believe for the miracle to come. Church, I'm believing for the miracle to come. I'm believing for the miracle to come. But my faith is in the promise maker, not in the manifestation of the promise. I know he loves me. I know he loves you. I know our God is a great God. I know that he is working for our good, even when it doesn't seem good. I know that he is for us and not against us. I know that in him, I, we are the head and not the tail. We are more than conquerors. I know that the joy of the Lord is my strength. When I'm weak, he's strong. Come on, let's praise him together.
at the beginning and the end. God, right there in the midst of the joy. This is the joy of the Joy, the joy of the Lord 
Hello, my name is Kevin. Uh, along with my beautiful, brilliant wife, Lisa, we get to be the kids and past family pastors here at the Connect Church. It's an honor. It truly is. So there's two things that have absolutely nothing to do with offering, and so I apologize. But, man, as we were worshiping, I just wanted to encourage you guys, man, there is a river of life. And the Lord is, wants me to encourage you to jump all in with childlike faith. Enjoy the river. Splish and splash in it. Cry more. Be real in that river. Because he's a real God. He meets us where we are. Dive in. Dive in today. The other thing, if you're a parent in this house, whether you have a, a couple weeks old, day old, a 30-year-old, 50 or 40-year-old, sincerely, I say this to you, you're doing a great job. God has entrusted those to you. And because he has, he will equip you with all that you need. But you are a good parent. And those that are struggling to conceive, my God's in the miracle working business. He has not put a period. He has not put a period on that sentence. Don't you believe it? He has not put a period on that sentence. My encouragement today for offering can be, can be inserted into anything. It's Luke 6.38. Give and it will be given to you. Press down, shaken together, overflowing unto your lap. A reminder there, man, a good measure. That means when he pours it out into the mixing bowl, it doesn't go on the counter. It doesn't fall into the floor. It gets inside. Everything that needs to be in there, it's inside of there. When he says press down, that means he's condensing it so that more of him can go inside. When he says shaken together, what he's saying is that he's sifting out all the air so that we don't get confused about who he really is. All of him is in there. And he's so good that he says he's gonna overflow it. So he continues to pour more of who he is into it. And with that, he says it will overflow. He doesn't say it's gonna fall into your neighbor's lap. He doesn't say it's going to hit somebody behind your pillow or wherever it may be. It's not going to be seen where your kids throw all their toys at or whatever it may be. It's going to fall onto your lap. My God is intentional. He is dependable. Can I tell you where the rub is for me? The beginning of that passage, give. Give. 
how I bring it. Am I being intentional with how I bring it? My grandmother, man, the Lord was, I was like, God, just reveal more of this passage to me. And he showed me my grandmother, and I'm so grateful for that. I miss her. But what I do know in that is my grandmother, her giving didn't start Sunday during the offering message. Her giving was on Monday. She would go to her butyl, her dresser, and she would pull out her offering envelopes and already have it filled out. She would put it by the front door, no matter what circumstance, situation, grandkid that came up to her asking her for something, nothing changed what was in that envelope. She was intentional about her giving. Are we being intentional about what we're pressing in the Lord with? And some of you, some of it may be finances, some of it may not be anything, but what it is, is am I giving with an intentional heart? We talk about faith today. Faith ain't just accidental. I was thinking about that. Man, I went to service with my grandmother. I'm not talking about when I was a kid or a teenager. I'm talking about when my 20s. Offering will come along, and you know what I did? She pulled out her envelope, and I did the pat down. What do I got? What can I give? And in my being unintentional with that, I realized, man, I'm missing out. And because of that handicap that I gave myself, I had to work through things in the beginning of my marriage that God did not ask me to work through. But what can I tell you, man, he's faithful. And because of this house, because of knowing tithe isn't just whatever gets out of my pocket, including the lint, tithe is 10%. Offerings, anything over that. And being super intentional about that, I've seen his faithfulness and I've seen his provision in my life. And my encouragement to you guys is to press in today. And I guarantee it. I don't know what money back guarantee, hair club for men, I don't know what the thing is. But I guarantee it. He will be faithful to you in your household. He will provide to you in your household. That's not Connect's word, that's his word. And so you can give envelopes, things are gonna be on the screen, you can scan with your phone, you can go online. T today be intentional. I'm gonna encourage you, maybe you can't write something out today. Take an envelope. Write a number on that and believe that if not today, tomorrow, that number will come through. My God, he will not fail. He never has and he never will. So we're gonna pray. But I wanna already, I wanna challenge you guys as we're praying, I wanna start giving him praise. Praise for the breakthrough, praise for the provision, praise for his faithfulness. We thank you that we thank you for today's message, Lord. We thank you for today's salvations and recommitments, Father. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that's here in this place, Lord. We thank you, Father, for being a good father, for being a good friend, for being a good brother to each and every one of us, Father. And I pray that as we give today, we trust that it will be given back to us, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, 
overflowing onto our laps. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. church today? I'm glad you came to church. Thank you guys for being here today. Hope you find your faith raised and challenged today. One of the ways that we can give things that are, uh, to give our lives and our next step, can I really encourage you? You've heard us say it time and time again, take the risk to be a disciple. And the way that we do that here, part of the ways that we do that isn't just on Sunday mornings, it's we have uh, ladies' discipleship groups that are called shoulder-to-shoulder that meet during the week. We've got men's discipleship. Come on, men. Come on, we need to rise up, men. Come on, we've got a great, great future, men. It's called Forged. It's all video. Uh, I do the teaching for the men. The, the ladies uh, do the, the teaching for the ladies. And uh, iron sharpens iron. We need each other. Take time out. Sometimes, sometimes, to be honest, I do my forge group on Thursday night with our pastors. And I'm going to be honest. There's nights I'm like, I'm tired. I don't want to do this. Anybody? I'm just tired. I don't want to do this. But I've never left one of those meetings unchallenged, not encouraged, my spirit not lifted, me not going, man, I'm so glad I didn't give in to my flesh. Because sometimes the board looks broken. But if I trust the one who put the board there and step onto it, it will produce a knowledge of him I've never known before. So I love you. Thank you for pouring into him today, into us today, and into your future today. God bless you guys. I can't wait to see you next week. And we believe it. The best in your life is yet to come. Amen? Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. See you next week.